what the church is. Okay, we've been in this series for a couple weeks now. This is our third week of Church Is. And we've been excited to go through this series because we, we wanted to go back to what Jesus said about us and what we would be today. And he says, remember, that I will build my church. He was talking to Peter, right? And he was talking to Peter saying that, look, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to build it upon the things that you are confessing today, right? That you are confessing me as the Messiah. And we looked at Peter, a person who is just so real that all of us can probably identify with at one time or another. And we looked at his life and how important it was as to what he did in the beginning to help start the church. And it's important for us to see that because we're normal people starting the church every day in our society, okay? So that was our first week, carrying a confession, having a foundation of faith, possessing God-given authority, and then becoming a courageous witness. As you can tell, there's a bent toward all of this of us going out, going out, going out. Last week, we talked about what the Foundry Church is and what we're supposed to be. We are simply here to love God, love people, and create community. How do we get to that? From what Jesus said, love God with everything in you. Love your neighbor as your own level. Go make disciples of all men, okay? And that is just like ground level, grassroots church movement. If people can't get that right, they can't do anything, okay? We're just really working for nothing then. So that was our desire to understand that. That is our manifesto. That is our mission, okay? And it's important for us to do that very thing. We do that by the unity that we have within us. He came so that we could have a common unity. We know when things are disjointed. We know when the family's a hot mess, right? Some of you guys, when you go home for, for Christmas or you go home for breaks or you go home tonight even, um, you feel like there's such a breakdown in your community of your home because disunity. We want to be the church, his church, that celebrates the unity that we have within so that can pe people can see from the outside that this is something that I want to be a part of. Are you with me? So important. Okay, the world will know that we are the church by the unity that we possess. Okay, so what about today? What are we here to talk about? What are we here to listen to from the word? What are we here to gain today? And I think it's important for us to think this way. We read in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. You've heard this many times before, but we're gonna look at the second part for just a second. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You're like, oh, this again? Listen to me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And this second part, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, a lot of times we only look at that go part and not look at that teach part. See, God wants to make you a voice to your generation. He wants to make you a voice to your workplace. He wants to make you a voice to your home. He wants to make you a voice to your grocery store. He wants to make you a voice at the DMV. And you're like, oh, I got voices that come out then and they ain't of the Lord, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying by this. He wants to make you a voice everywhere you go. How many of you guys are scared to death of public speaking? Be honest. You know that's the number one fear. People would rather die than speak in public. Literally. Literally. Statistically speaking. But how many of you guys, it's, it's, it's kind of scary to go up to a, a, someone you don't know. You ever feel that way too? Like, well, what if they reject me? What if they tell me I'm stupid? What if they, you know? See, there is this teaching component that God has placed within us. But how do we do that? How, how do we have the courage? How do we have the desire 
to go and teach people, and this is important. You're like, I am not a teacher. I do not have an elementary education degree. I barely know how to do, you know, teach myself how to brush my teeth some days, okay? But how are we to be this voice? Jesus tells us by way of his Holy Spirit. I love conversations on the Holy Spirit. I love conversations on the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times, as like Francis Chan put it, He's the forgotten God. He's the third person that we don't really want in the room or we don't realize that we need in the room. Remember we were talking last week out of the book of John, you know, and John's the beloved, you know, he wants to share with people the love of Jesus. Well, he puts in there some things that I think are very important for us. Last week we were talking about how Jesus prayed for us as future believers But just before that, he talks about how Jesus has some promises for us of his Holy Spirit. See, Jesus knew from the very beginning, because he was there in the very beginning with the Holy Spirit, all the way back in what we call Genesis, but the beginning, that one day he would have to come, that he would have to die, he would have to someone else. Forgiveness for our sins, but also that he would have to leave and send someone else. Who? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus is doing life with his disciples. Imagine you and three friends, four friends, whatever. And you do life together. You play sports, you go shopping, you have coffee, you do crafts, you go on double, triple, quadruple dates, whatever. You do life together. Jesus is doing life with these guys, but he's doing life with these guys, preparing them to become the church. And it's so different because They don't understand the gravity of what's about to happen. And sometimes we don't see that, do we, in life? We don't understand the gravity about what God's getting ready to do in our lives. Jesus understood this full well, and he said to them, I I want you to have this person who I'm going to send, and he is called Holy Spirit. He's called Holy Spirit. So he made some promises to them that I want us to go through, and then we're going to end with Peter once again in the book of Acts. There's some promises that Jesus makes to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do, typically, you know, I'll take just a direct portion and expand on that. We're taking a direct conversation. And what we're going to do is we're going to be like, man, you remember that time that I was sitting with Jesus, his disciples looking back? And remember when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit? Let's take all those notes from that conversation. Let's put them together. And let's talk about just that topic of that person, the Holy Spirit. So let's start right here with John 14. 15 through 18, as we see the promises, and then I'm going to explain the promise in each one. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands, right? Jesus starts with that. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, okay? An advocate. He will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What do you think is the greatest desire of humankind? Companionship. I talk to people all along, all all the time. And they're like, I just feel so alone. I feel so alone. I feel so alone. And I listened to a great message series by North Point Church down in Georgia. And he talked about white noise. And he talked about how we are never alone. We are just lonely. 
And that's so hard to, to grasp sometimes in our hearts because we look at companionship as one thing, but God shows us that companionship is another. It is his Holy Spirit living in us and willing through us. He promises companionship, an advocate, a paraclete is what that is in the Greek, someone who comes alongside you so that you are never alone. Jesus is telling his disciples because he knows very, very soon they are going to feel alone. If they don't understand, they have this companion in and beside them, they will not be able to make it. John 14, 25 through 27. All this I have spoken while still, still with you, but the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, right? Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you in all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. We hear this as a reoccurring theme. I don't know about you guys, but that is, that is music to my ears. Peace, Jesus says, so important, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be we all, in that little bit of scripture, Jesus just about handles life, doesn't he? We all have fear. We all lack peace. We all need to be reminded and we all need to be taught. What does the Holy Spirit do? As you read scripture, what does he do? He makes the truth pop out to you. Have you ever read scripture one day and read the same scripture the next and something different happens in your heart? That's him. Have you ever been walking down the road and all of a sudden Holy Spirit says, hey, go talk to so-and-so. Oh, that's right. I'm reminded. See, we, we don't look at a relationship with the Holy Spirit as something that is normal every single day. We look at it as something that may just happen within a church service. No, no, no. You don't have to go to church to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. You have to wake up in the morning. You have to just go to the grocery store. That's my desire. You have to go to DMV, like I said before. You have to just get in your car and call somebody to experience Holy Spirit speaking to your life and through your life. He will teach you. He will show you what's in Scripture. He will help you so that you can see it. And it's a promise. I love reminders. Anybody else love reminders? I tell everybody all the time, send me an email so I, I can leave it unchecked. That way I, I know that I need to get back to you because don't send me a text message, it'll go away. I need reminders. I need those numbers that are in the little bubble beside that drive me absolutely nuts, okay? That's how I have to answer it because I, I need reminders. Anybody that's worked with me, you know what I'm talking about. I need reminders. Holy Spirit reminds us who God is and what he wants to do. So we see between John 14 and 15, Jesus leaves, remember the table, the last supper with his guys. And then he makes way to the garden. Remember we talked about last week about the vine and the branches and he's, he's getting agricultural with them and giving them references that make sense in that garden of Gethsemane. In John 15, 26 through 27, he speaks to them again. He says, when the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, we're getting the characteristics of who he is and what he will be in your life. Who goes out from the father, he will testify about me right? He will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. He promises the truth. How many of you guys hate a liar? I hate to say hate a liar, but don't you hate people that, no. How many of you dislike people that lie? We don't want to use that word. I can't stand someone who lies. Just tell me the truth, even if it hurts 
always tell my kids that. Look, you will be, and notice since they were little, and it's funny to watch Aiden as he coaches his friends on it. Look, you just tell my dad the truth. You won't be in tr- as much trouble if you tell him the truth. If you don't tell him the truth, you're going to be in big trouble, like the hole that's in the wall when his buddy comes over kind of thing. <laughs> truth. We all want truth. We all want to live in truth. We all want to live through truth, and we all want to give truth. And he promises us that we will have truth. One who will tell you the truth regarding Scripture and God's commands. He speaks to both the head and the heart. That's so important. Sometimes we can be driven here but not here, or driven here and not here. When the truth is the truth. Think about that. The truth is the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No way to the Father but through. He is truth, and his Holy Spirit will help us embody that and have it in our own lives too. John 16, 7 through, seven through 8. But truly I tell you, it is, for, it is for your good that I am going away. Their hearts became a little weary because they were thinking about Jesus having to go. Think about how cool it would be to do life with Jesus, to watch him. It's like, wow, you're like, there, are not, there is not enough food here, Jesus. He's like, and it's like, wow, there's a buffet, you know, out of nothing. Guy is blind and he can see, that's awesome. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, guys, I gotta go. I have to go or otherwise he won't come. I tell you, it's for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the, the one who comes alongside will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Promises conviction. Sometimes we don't like that kind of word, do you? Does it not set well with you? It's kind of a a Christianese term, right? Anybody ever heard this before in a church setting? Have you heard it before? How many of you have not heard the word conviction in a church setting before? How many of you heard it in a jail sentencing type of setting, Okay. Conviction. Conviction is good. Conviction is something that is based out of truth. It's based out of the word of God. And what his Holy Spirit does to you is he convicts you saying, look, this is wrong. I'd rather be wrong and proved right by him than be wrong and be proved right by the world. You know what I'm saying by that? I'd rather, I'd rather him tell me what you're doing is wrong. Stop so that I don't have to go through future pain. So I don't have to go through all the the tribulation that life has promised to us. Conviction. He's the one, and this is what's so important, the only one who can tell someone in their heart of hearts and their mind that they are wrong. Have you ever tried to convince people of things? (laughs) Sean's like, yes, I have. It didn't go too well, okay? You think about family members that are just like going down the wrong path. You think about your friends, college students, right? You see this a lot. The wrong path was high street a couple nights ago. Wow, okay. You look in in, in your relationships and the sphere of influences you have and you see the train wreck coming. You're just like, you have to stop. You have to stop. Stop what you're doing. This is crazy. Do you not see what's ahead? I want us to, to shift our thinking and our praying in moments like that. I want us to start to say, Holy Spirit, can you show them what's wrong with this? Can you show them what's wrong with this? Why? Because what he convicts, it sticks. 
What he convicts in people's lives, it sticks. What we're doing is just trying to use the power of persuasion. See, they equate us with that conviction versus equating that conviction with the one who is perfect and who is truth. That's what he will do for you. So you're like, oh, so I can pray to Holy Spirit? Absolutely, you can. Like this, look, God, thank you so much for giving your only begotten son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross. Holy Spirit, thank you for living in me and moving through me. Now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do the same in that person's life in this way. Do it, because when he does it, it sticks. When he convicts, it sticks. When we do it, we just frustrate somebody and want to fight you. It happens, trust me. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He promises guidance. I get lost, drop of a hat. I'll tell you what, I get lost. All the time now, I defer care. Where do we need to go? Which way we gotta go? Because I get lost so easily. It's just the way I'm wired. I'm fine with it. I've come to grips with it, okay? It's, it's fine. When you think about this, he's all can guide one who can tell someone in their heart of hearts. He's the one that convicts, but he's also the one that can guide them out of it. We try to fix people. We do. We try to help people along. But we have to learn to do is pray for folks in a new way. And even for yourself, Holy Spirit, convict me of what's wrong. Guide me in the way of truth. Because that's what he does. Jesus is telling these guys, it's about to get real for you. Foundry, it's about to get real for us. And we need truth and we need guidance because we're gonna be surrounded by culture that tells us what they think is truth. And we have to come from the word of God. I know a lot of people don't even believe in the Bible now. And that's, not, that's something that isn't even a moral base for either. You know, it, it's, it's not, it's ours, but it's not theirs. But we have to pray that Holy Spirit will lead and guide them into truth. So we switch gears. We switch gears to Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And this is important because we see him show up in an amazing way and change the lives of people that are present, but also the church forever. And I think what's so important about this is we look that it's surrounding real people, just like you and me. So I'm going to read for just a moment, then I'm going to explain a couple things, and then we'll reflect on that. Acts 2, 1 through 8, and 12 and 14. Again, the context of the conversation. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I think that's so important. What are we talking about here again? Unity, okay? They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. This is like a mighty wind. You ever been in a windstorm, okay? You ever been at the beach where you can actually feel the wind because the sand's tearing your face off, okay? A violent wind. So you think about a really, really, really fast wind. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Filled to individual capacity, made complete. The vision of Christ was that everybody would be whole, that everybody would be complete. So this is the fulfillment of that that we see here today. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as spirit, the Spirit enabled them. This is important because you'll see why in just a moment. 
Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why were they there? Because this was an important time that they would come and travel to one specific city and celebrate feasts and festivals, okay? And this particular one was a festival of thanksgiving for harvested crops. Shema. Harvested crops, something that was within that was growing out in this moment. Now they were staying there in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, people that were devout to the Jewish faith from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Can you imagine that? Now, we know the English language is very common now around the world. We know that. Jessica, can you imagine your native, your native dialect, okay? All right? You're standing in a room with people, and all of a sudden they speak clearly your native dialect. Would you be like, that's crazy? Because not... I can't even begin to try, which would be even more crazy if I began to speak that language. See, God in this moment was taking something that we all have, that little sword in your mouth, the tongue, and he was a celebration, extreme power of him to unite people together. He used this celebration, this festival to bring a bunch of people to one place so they could come into this one place and they could see all of a sudden this mighty wind, hear this mighty wind, hear about this, these people gathering in this upper room. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a big suddenly this wind blows and these things start begin to change and these people begin speaking a native tongue from all of these people from all over in one moment. You know what I wonder? What truth was being spoken in that time to those people? God-fearing Jews from all over begin to hear God in their native tongue, the voice of God. What was he saying? Do you think he was like reading their mail? Can you imagine? Do you think he was be like, hey, guess what? I know that secret sin you got over there. Gotcha. You know, kind of, we don't know. But we, we believe that in this moment, the spirit of God was glorifying God because that's what he does. He was pointing people to God and showing them who Jesus was, what he came to do, the fulfillment of who he was in this moment to people. Can you imagine seeing that? Can you imagine something like this? You go somewhere where maybe it's a leper colony in a third world nation. You go all of a sudden, you walk into the leper colony and you pray, Holy Spirit, come into this place. God, heal these people. And all of a sudden, they're all healed. Can you imagine seeing that? What type of testimony How would someone testify about that? That God is real. Jesus came. He did what he said he was going to do, but also his Holy Spirit is with us today. Leading, guiding, correcting, helping us, comforting us, being an advocate, someone who walks alongside. So often we get caught up in so many doctrines and things like that. We just don't read the script for what it is. Jesus is saying that I'm present through the Spirit. And I want to do crazy things in people's lives. They came in bewilderment because each one heard a language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. When the Spirit of God does crazy stuff in your life like some of you have done, and some some of the things he's done, 
People will look at your life, they'll look at you just a normal Galilean and say, what in the world just happened? I knew them before and I know them now. What just happened? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And this is what's important. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all, who are, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. All of this leads up for Peter to have this moment to speak the truth to the crowd of people that day. 3,000 were added. It's quite a number. The Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. But sometimes you gotta let him move you. He wants to do amazing things through you. But you gotta let him in. We always just put him as the third person, the forgotten God. He's everything right now to you. You will not be able to make it if you don't have him in you, if you don't have more of him, you won't see these things happen in your life. You need more of God's spirit. The church has to be filled with his spirit. In order for us to move as a church, he has to move in the church. And where's the church? Draw a circle around yourself to talk church. It's you. Don't be scared or afraid to talk to him more. Don't be afraid to offer yourself, Matt, if you and your team could come up. Don't be afraid to offer yourself what you may feel like tattered, broken pieces to him because he will put you back together, to get back together again in perfect harmony, in perfect shape. I'm challenged by this because this is what he's done in my own personal life throughout the years. Coming up on our also 20-year reunion for high school. Last week, we celebrated 20 years of salvation for this guy. But old boy here with the silver streak is coming up on 20 years of graduation from high school. Some of you guys are like, oh, I got you on that. I won't talk about that. But one of the things I'm thinking about, it's coming up in November. I got to get chiseled a little bit. You know what I mean? I got to look good. Because when I come back on the scene, you going to train me, Matt? I come back on the scene... <laughs> There won't be any Grecian. I'm going to keep it gray. I'm not worried about that. But when I come back up on the scene, not because of the health, I want to share about what God's done. Guys, I was wild in high school, but I was wildly broken. And people can look at mine and Kara's life, her the saint of God, but look at my life in amazement and bewilderment because they knew Justin Myers when. A lot of us were just like, I'm too much of a mess. I'm too broken. I'm just shattered pieces. But see, God has a love for you. <laughs> mm. That's far greater than who you currently are. Because he sees who you will be. The enemy tries to remind you of who you are and what you've done. God reminds you of who you are and what he's done. And then he shows you where he wants to take you. But you got to let him in. You got to let him in. Let him live in you. Let him live in you. Take the pieces of your life. Offer them up to him. And allow that love to overwhelm you this morning. Filled to overflowing. Living in truth and life.